0: audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stone oak Bible.com. I, I don't know how to follow that at all. Um, wow. Well, I'm excited to dig into Psalms with you this morning. Um, how about the, let's just Let's start with prayer. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this church. We thank you for these kids and what you're doing in us, your faithfulness. We thank you for the privilege of looking at your word. And um, I pray that as we come around it, that you would speak, that you would move as we look at this psalm this morning, and that you would convict us and reveal us of things that you want to change in us. Would you illuminate the gospel, Lord, in our hearts? And for that, we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have had such a time already this morning, but with the time that we have left, would you join me in your Bible to Psalm 131? While you're getting there, um, this was a psalm that was written by David, King David. Um, Now, we, we, we know it was written by David. We don't quite know when. Most believe, though, that it was written before he actually became king, all right? But we, we don't quite know when, but what we do know is that this was written by David, that he, that he wrote this, and, and he is very direct and short. If you notice in this psalm, it is three verses? The shortest psalm in all your Bible is two verses, so we're almost there. Um, but this is three short, direct verses, and I, I want to start with verse one. O Lord, my heart, is not lifted up, my eyes not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great or too marvelous for me. So a couple of things here before we move forward. In this verse, David is really saying one thing. I know there's three stanzas, but he's really saying one thing. Not three things, not two things, but one thing. And each of these words kind of build on each other and drive us deeper. But there's really just one thing. David says, look, my heart is not lifted up. Another way to say that is my eyes aren't lifted too high. And just in case we're not clear, another way to say that is I'm not occupying myself with things that are too great and too marvelous for me. He's saying the same thing. And each time he's drilling in just a little bit deeper. So the first thing he says is my heart... Is not lifted up. Some of your translations are going to say, "My heart is not proud. My heart is not arrogant or haughty." The idea here is that David is saying, "Is Lord, I my heart is not a proud heart. It's not puffed up. It's not arrogant. Um, it's not haughty." In second, he says, "My eyes aren't raised too high." Now we don't use this expression very much, but we have one very similar. We just don't use eyes; we use nose. You know what expression I'm talking about? Your nose is up in the air? It's the same thing. We're, we're saying the same thing. It's the nose up in the air. Um, in the Evans household, we like to call this snooty. All right? So I'm going to use that from now on in this, in this method. snooty. It's nose up in the air, eyes lifted too high, heart proud, So David says, look, my heart is not like that. My heart's not proud. I'm not walking around with my nose up in the air, thinking I'm better than everyone else. I'm not walking around arrogant. In other words, my heart's not arrogant, and I'm not walking around like it either. That's how David starts us off. And by the way, isn't that the way it works? An arrogant heart leads us to arrogant actions. Uh, a, A snooty heart leads to snooty demeanors. Verse one says, oh Lord, my heart's not lifted up. My eyes aren't raised too high. And then lastly, he says, I don't occupy myself with things that are too great or too marvelous for me. I think we've all known that guy that walks around, kind of has an air of pride going on about him, but but just talks about all these things he has no business talking about, but he's got to be in the know. He's got to have the answers. I mean, we know, we, I think we, regardless of the conversation, I think we know this guy. But, but at the same time, it's not just that. I think the pride in this is not only feeling like we have to show or prove that we know all the answers, but some of us have bought the lie that we need to know all the answers and we forget how finite we are. This is Pride. David here is drilling into the problem of pride. And by the way, church, this is not a problem for them. When I say them, I mean it's not a problem for all those, just for all those heathens out there who don't love Jesus. It's not just a problem for them. It's not something that they just deal with. No, pride is something that all of us need to be actively putting to death daily because it can settle in our hearts. And David says, my heart's not proud. And by the way, scripturally, scripturally, um, I, I, you see this often that it's often those who are religious that are often the greatest targets for this pride. I, I want you to think about this. Uh, think about Jesus in the gospels. If he clashed with one group of people, if he had it out, if, uh, whom Jesus rebuked the most, who was it? It was the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? They were the religious leaders who Jesus so often said, no, 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 pride, pride. This isn't just a problem for them. In fact, Jesus calls them whitewashed tombs. <laughs> That's a painful description. Jesus says, look, you look pretty on the outside. You got your nose up. You're snooty. You look like you got it all together. But on the inside, there is death. This is what Jesus identifies with the religious leaders. And this is what David is calling out here. David says, I don't want that. Not only is is pride a temptation that's not only for the quote unquote them out there, um, but pride is also not a respecter of persons hardly at all. What I mean by this is there's a lot of people who have a lot of possessions, a lot of money in their accounts, a lot of clothes, a lot of cars. Guess what? Pride. Pride is the temptation. On the other end of that, there are many who do not. There are are many who do not have all that stuff. And guess what? The temptation is also pride. For those that are at the top of their company and top of society, pride is dangerous, And at the same time, it is no less dangerous for anyone who is not. Regardless of who you are, the temptation is to think that you're better than others. To think more of yourself than you do of others. To promote yourself, to find ways to stroke the ego. That's pride. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing new under the sun. This is is what David is calling out here. It's the same pride. That we need to call out. So David says, Lord, my heart's not lifted up, my eyes aren't raised too high, I'm not snooty, I do not occupy myself with things too great, too marvelous for me. And now, here in our text, David is gonna give us the instead statement. Instead of the pride, instead of the nose up in the air, instead of the arrogance, David says, but, this is a word of contrast, meaning what's going to come is in straight contrast to what just came. David says, verse 2, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Listen, just like in verse 1, David's really saying one thing, in verse 2, there's really only one thing. Not three things, not two things, but one thing. And he drills down deeper into it. In verse 1, he calls out the pride. And in verse 2, he gives us the instead statement. He says, instead of pride... Instead of pride, I have calmed and quieted my soul. Stillness. Quiet. Calm and peace. Now, honestly, this is not what I was expecting to see here. I mean, we're talking about pride and arrogance. And here, David, the contrast for pride and arrogance, the contrast for the snooty soul is a quieted soul. The contrast for a snooty soul is a calmed soul. I'm reminded of just a few verses earlier in Psalm 130. It says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. This is stillness, calm, waiting on the Lord. And I think this is something we need to stop and contemplate. Um, Listen, if there is one thing that we are not in our culture... If there is one thing that we as a people, we as a culture are not. If there are two words that I would not use to describe my community, it would be calm and quiet. (laughs) Calm and quiet. Our worlds are loud. They're busy. And we have very little room for margin in our lives. Very, very little. In fact, if you want some proof, if you get bored later, don't do this now. If you get bored later, go on your, uh, your phone, your device, go to the app store and look at uh, apps that are called mindfulness apps. What you're going to notice when you look at this is they are popping up like rabbits, just, just everywhere. One app after the other, all promising to you calm, peace. There's some of the most popular apps in your app store. Why is that? Why is that? It's because more people are realizing just how busy, how loud, how crazy their life is. More people are realizing how much we need this. We need calm. We need peace. We need stillness. We need to push the pause button. More people are realizing this. And David says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. And what I love about this is as you think about Stillness and quiet in, this, in light of pride. What I love about this is stillness and calm and peace. What that really does is push the pause button in your life. What I mean by this is when you're waiting on the Lord in calmness and stillness, when you're waiting on him, all of a sudden it's no longer about you and about what you're doing and about what you're contributing and about what you're producing. All of a sudden, it stops all that. To calm and to quiet your soul stops all of that. And when it's not about you and not about what you're doing and not about what you're contributing, church pride just doesn't have a whole lot to stand on. This is why the contrast to a proud heart is a quieted heart. David continues like a weaned child with its mother. It's my soul within me. I love this. I want to uh, put this on the screen for you. This comes from a commentator. He says, um, "As a weaned child is content, simply having his mother's presence, so the faithful worshiper is content with God's presence." Even when there are many things He would like God to explain. you see the contrast here in this? See, in the first verse, David says, "I'm not occupying myself with things that are beyond me, too great, too marvelous." And here he says, David says, "I will rest, I will be quiet, I will be calm the, to find perfect contentment in the presence of God, because He is enough." One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is Psalm 46:10 that says, be still and know that I am God. Notice that it does not say be still until you, when you know all the answers. Be still when you get it all figured out. Be still when you know everything. No, it is simply be still when you know one thing. And that one thing is be still and know that I am God. This is where we come face to face with pride. Pride. See, pride says, I know better. I need to have the answers and control. But humility is found in laying that down. In other words, pride says, be busy proving that you are God, where humility says, be still and know that he is God. And this is huge. This is huge. Now, um, kids, I'm really glad you're in this service. Um, did you guys know that there was one day when Jesus was teaching... Okay, one day, Jesus was teaching a bunch of grown-ups. And he looked around, like while he was teaching a bunch of grown-ups, he looked around and he tried to find a little child. Looked around, he found one. And the Bible says he brought that kid up with him while he was teaching a bunch of grown-ups. He brought that kid up with him while Jesus was teaching, standing beside Jesus. and, And Jesus says this, truly I say to you, pointing to the little child, Unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Kids, how cool is that? Jesus used you as an object lesson for us grownups. How cool is that? But I want you to, I want you to do something for me. Do me a favor. Not just kids. I want all of us to do me a favor. I want you to imagine with me for a moment if you need to close your eyes, you can do it. You don't have to. Imagine with me for a moment a snooty person. And when you to imagine someone just walking around, nose eh, up in the air. I want you to imagine with me a snooty person walking around. Just picture that person in your mind. Got it? Picturing it? Got Got them? Now, I would bet that for all of us who are actually imagining someone right now, if I had a way to project it and compare, I would bet that there is one thing that all of our projections would share in common. I would bet that none of them are a little child. I would bet not one of our projections, as we think of pride and snootiness... that that we would think of a little child. And why is that? It's because the older we get, the more self-reliant, self-sufficient we believe we need to be. The more we tend to see pride step in, the more our noses tend to go, going up. This is why Jesus, calling this little child to himself, says, look, whoever humbles himself, like this child... They're going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Church, this this morning is a call to lay down our pride, to humble ourselves before the Lord, to be still and to be quiet. Not trying to fix things. Not trying to contribute, to produce. Not trying to do anything, but to rest, knowing that he is God. And that means you can stop trying to be. Be still. Know he is God. In this scripture, we see David laying down his pride, but it's not just David. I want to invite you to consider Jesus with me. Not only did Jesus rebuke Pharisees and said, hey, whitewashed him, not only did he identify pride in them, not only did he teach um, everyone pointing to little children, teach about humility, not only did he teach about it, but he lived it, church. I want to invite you to consider with me what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2. You don't have to turn with me here, but listen to this. Paul is teaching the church, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, there's our word again, count others as more significant than yourselves. Then Paul says, let each of you not look out for only your interests, but also the interests of others. And now Paul's gonna do something incredible. He's gonna say, look, you already know what it looks like to do this. You already know what humility looks like because you have already seen it in Jesus Philippians 2, verse 5, we, Paul now directs our focus to Jesus, says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Just take that in. Just take that in. If there has ever been one person who could walk down the street and be justified in having his nose in the air, it is Jesus. If there has ever been one person who could walk into any room, every room, and say, you guys should really be worshiping me, it is Jesus. Now, others have tried to say that, but there is only one who can say that and and mean it and it be true. That was Jesus. Yet, as Philippians says, yet, though he was God, he laid down all the rights and privileges of being God. Instead of sticking his nose up snooty, he laid himself out, emptied himself in humility. What humility is this? Instead of calling every person to just stop what they're doing and worship me, what did he do? No, he came and he served. He stepped into humanity to die for her. Instead of calling the disciples, hey, come wash my feet, what did Jesus do? He washes theirs. This is insane. It's really too much for us to even comprehend what humility is this? But this is Jesus who calls us to be like him. And so Paul in Philippians says, have this mind, have the mind of Jesus. So David says, "O oh Lord, my heart's not lifted up. My eyes aren't raised too high. I'm not thinking about things that are too great, too marvelous for me. But instead I have quieted and calmed my soul like a weaned child with his mother. So as we finish this, I have to ask, how do we do this? What do you do with your pride? How do you lay your pride down? What does that look like? Better question, how do you calm? How do you quiet your soul? Some of you are busy as all be. How do you calm? How do you quiet your soul? couple things here, church. First, we must begin with confession. That the Holy Spirit would reveal ways in, that, in us that we have given ourselves to pride, that pride has risen up. That the Holy Spirit would reveal pride in us, that we would respond with confession. Basically, the way I like to think about this is the pride that's hiding in that dark corner, that the Lord would say, there's pride in that dark corner, and that we would pull it out to the light, confess it, Pull it out of the darkness into the light, thereby weakening it. Confess it. That the Holy Spirit would reveal, that we would respond with confession. For many of us, as I read this scripture, um, you might have realized that you can't actually say what this psalm says. Instead, when you read this, you thought, well, if I'm honest, I would read it. Oh, Lord, my heart is lifted up. My My eyes are raised too high. I have occupied myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. And if that's you, church, there is grace and there is forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Starts with confession. Oh Lord, would you reveal that and would we confess? The second thing is we must fight daily. You read in verse two, but I have calmed and quieted my soul. Some of us think, well, I I did calm and quiet my soul last Tuesday. Like it's a one-and-done application. It is not. It's a daily fight. We not only confess our pride, but we find moments for stillness, for quiet, for listening, for being still and knowing that he is God. We find these moments. Actually, I misspoke. I said finding. Chances are you're not going to find these moments. Chances are you're going to have to actively, intentionally create these moments if you are going to have these moments. If you're waiting for moments of stillness to find you, you're not going to find them. Instead, we confess our pride. We daily fight for moments of stillness and calm and quiet before the Lord. Do you have this in your life? I look at a lot of families in the room. I have 3 little boys. Stillness is not their jam. And I know I'm not the only one, and it's not just families, it's not just kids. We have jobs, we have crazy things going on in our life. Stillness is not our default. This takes intentionality to stop, to lay down our pride, and to be still and quiet and to calm our souls, to fight for it. If you are here and you don't have this, church, I get it, fight for it, it is worth it. The third thing is we must disciple others to do the same. I want you to notice how David ends this psalm. He says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. From this time forth and forevermore. Do you see what he just did there? He went from, Lord, I've laid down my pride. Lord, I've calmed and quieted my soul to now proclaiming to all who would hear, O Israel, O people of God, hear my voice. Put your hope in the Lord from now until forever. David moves from a personal experience to proclaiming it to everyone who would listen, the hope uh, that we have in God. Listen, I've already talked about the fact that our culture, our world, is craving peace and calmness and stillness. And yet we know the invitation in Jesus is that there is peace in him. There is calm in him. There is hope in him. There is rest in him. Calm and quiet for your soul in him. Others need to know about that. Others need to know about the hope we have, about the, the peace, about the calm and the stillness that we have in the presence of our Lord. We need to be discipling others to do this. Are you doing that? We must start with confession. We must fight then daily and disciple others to do the same. And doing this, we lay down our pride and we walk before our God in humility. Let me pray for us and let's ask the Lord to help us do this. Lord, we come to you right now knowing and confessing that so often we are full of pride. Spirit, would you identify that? Would you help us in response to lay that down and to quiet ourselves in stillness to come to you, knowing that you are God and that we are not? Lord, would you convict us of our pride? Would you help us to walk as a little child, humble before you, our Father? And Lord, would you also then help us to teach others, to disciple others, to do the same. We give you glory for that in Jesus' name, amen.